Was it a heart attack, doctor? No. Died of dehydration. Thirst. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That takes a couple of days, doesn't it? Maybe even three or four. <laughs> you mean he sat up there three or four days? He sat up there and just died of thirst? Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Polish Presents. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I'm Bartek. Hi, Bartek. How are you? Doing well, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing... Fantastic, well. I'm I'm doing fan. Four stick. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm here to talk to you about a movie. So that is also what I'm, here I'm to doing. Li- I'm here to listen to you about a movie. Oh, you're not going to talk? You're not going to offer opinions? You're just going to listen quietly and nod and smile? Well, no, because nodding doesn't work on this medium. So I'm going to... Well, vo- you vocally... make a noise when you nod. you like... Mm-hmm. 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 Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yes, but that's what I mean. I'm going to vocalize my nodding for the oh, listening Oh, okay, people. cool, cool. So Bartek's here uh, as the Polish element of the spitting and Polish. I'm the spitting part because I'm spitting facts, mm-hmm. as the youth say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pictures Power we're talk- in which we, uh, is our show where we talk about a movie that has come recommended. Bartek... What was the recommendation? Who was it by? What's what's happening for those who can't read? This week, we are doing our Listening People's Recommendation, as we do every three episodes. This time, we are doing the 1990 film Tremors, which was recommended to us by our, by our friend Wet Wild Will. Wet Wild Will, or just Will for short, to yes. his friends, mm. or Billy Bob. Uh, for his real, real friends. I think I think about the fact that he's technically Billy Bob a lot. Billy Bob is actually here, Bartek. What? In the room, talking to himself quietly internally. I'm looking at him right now. Oh, so that's who that I is. I can tell that he's internally t- talking, but maybe he will verbalize it out loud to us right now. We'll... It's time to get external. Hello, listening people. It's your boy, Will. Hi, Will. Hi, Will. How are you doing? Actually, pretty good. Actually, pretty good. He's All doing. Considered. He's doing pretty good. Hmm. All things considered, Will is willingly here to talk to us about tremors. So, for the people out there listening, unlike the people in here talking, if you have not seen the film Tremors from 1990, give it a watch. We're going to talk about it. Spoilers, details, go through the whole film. Well, at least some of it. Enough of it to make it worthwhile seeing beforehand, so that you, when if you haven't seen it. You can watch it and feel the experience for yourself. Come back and listen. It's the age-old routine that I have to give, but there are people out there, uh, douches I like to call them, who will come in and be like, Eh, you spoiled the film from 30 years ago! Boo-hoo! Then we'll tell Sorry, them, oh, guys. it's actually 31 years ago. It's actually 31 years ago, motherfuckers. So, uh, Bardic... Could you please give us a rundown of the plot of Tremors? So Tremors is set in a very remote uh, desert town. Mm. Um, And it's about two uh, men who are tired of their lives there and they want to move out. Um, But things happen to stop them from moving out, which go into the realm of uh, super non-fiction when big, big monsters are causing trouble. Do you remember the town's name? Uh, Isn't it like Perfection or something? Perfection Nevada. Yeah. What a title. What a great town. It's got like a population of 14. Yep. We meet all of them, uh, which is great. 
Uh, Will, you recommended this film. Could you give us a brief reasoning as to why you recommended it and your history and relationship with Tremors? Um, the, well, when you asked me to come on again, it was like, oh, you got to pick a film. And I'm like, really racking my head. It's like, what do I yeah. want to pick? We actually decided to have you on this episode before we picked a film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I should have provided that context because, like, the people listening are not, okay, like, I did. I'm not like psychic <laughs> or anything. But I, don't know. I keep assuming it's like, yeah, people know what's going on in my head and no one does. So Only, um, uh, only the true worshippers know. Uh, the people, some people know. They, they'll probably, they probably regret that they know. There's different factions of beliefs of what your understandings mm. are. And there's the Protestants and yeah. the Catholics. It's, it's a complicated yeah. gestalt. You I know? think I'm at this point. I think I'm like bishop class. You're your bishop class. Yeah, I, I'm definitely some kind of pope level. I <laughs> know. <laughs> so, um, so I was racking my brain, and I eventually decided I wanted to do a horror movie. Mm. But uh, not and and Tremors is not like a particularly scary movie. It's pretty mild. Yeah, I think most I think most people, even if they're like, oh, I don't like horror, could handle Tremors. I I don't think it's gonna be whoa, it's just too much. Yeah, that that's a good thing to discuss um, at some point. So I uh I went I went to yeah no I actually want to bring that up because I saw on the internet there was a bit of controversy of just oh Tremors isn't a horror movie and then other people are like yeah no Tremors is a horror movie so you know uh, yeah so some it's in dispute but I'm I'm getting distracted so yeah I decided on Tremors just because I I I really rather do like this movie yeah and uh, my history of it it's one of the ones I I went through a period in high school where I would just go to the fucking blockbuster in Cranbourne mm. and just um just get basically every monster movie I could find and I got that one and um it was actually something I watched with my family a lot my brother mm. and my dad and when I rewatched it for uh, the podcast I watched it with my dad nice so it is it, this is kind of one of the go-to movies I watch with my brother and my dad, though it has actually been, uh, before last night, it actually had been a few years since I watched it. You, what, your mum doesn't want to watch it? She's too scared? Uh, of... No, she's afraid of snakes, so, and by proxy, sort of anything without legs is a bit like, nah. So nah. worms, worms off yeah, the table. Yeah, yeah, so worms are yeah. off the table, well, graboids they... are off the table, <laughs> snakes are off the table. Well, in the film, they get described as snakes at one point. Yeah, like she yeah. doesn't even like she doesn't even like millipedes because they just they have a snake-like body part. But they got legs, even though they have more legs than anything else. But it's a bit like oh, they're still too snake-like in the general body proportions. Yeah, I uh, I grew up with this film as well. Uh, this is definitely a staple in my childhood. Uh, I remember we got the DVD uh, trilogy set when there was just the three films. There are now six, um, so that's amazing. Mm. Uh, I remember watching this one the most. It's just the most efficient to me of the movies. It it hits all the beats. I I remember loving this. Uh, it is one of those ones that brings a smile to my face when I see it because I'm not a big monster movie kind of guy. You know, the creature feature type of dude. Um, but this does hit the mark of those things very well and you know we could talk about the is this a horror movie or not but this is definitely like a jaws type movie where you know you got the creatures happening for sure and they raise the stakes but it's more about the people and the situations they are going through and the interactions and eventual teamwork to overcome the monster and that is always something within these creature features 
uh, when we were at your place, Will, uh, a while back, we watched a Godzilla movie. And that's kind of the... Godzilla movies operate on that logic too, but they operate on a more national scale. But it's still yeah. the same logic, right? Where it's yeah. like, it's not really about Godzilla. It's more about the... It's not about, all the time, but it's about like the scientists that one, and the people. And, that one was about aliens who wanted to enslave them like cattle. Yeah, and obviously... And they said that line over and over again. Oh, uh, did they? Yeah. yeah I remember. Want, you know, they want, they want you to know. They want you to be informed. <laughs> we, we, we were groaning every time they said it. I, they, they want you to know. I just remember that know. the Australian Godzilla was the, <laughs> <laughs> the one from the Roland Emmerich movie, and they punched it into the Sydney Opera House. <laughs> Immediately. I immediately. Forgot, I forgot that it was in Sydney. <laughs> so that's my relationship with this. I, I, I've I always loved this movie. I love the atmosphere. I love the characters. I've always loved, loved, loved this movie. I you know, I watch this every couple of years. Uh, Bartek, what about you? What's your relationship with Tremors? Um, I hadn't seen it before seeing it for this show, and I quite enjoyed it. Um. It was it was one of those deals where like early on I wasn't too into it, but as it went on, like I I really really appreciated it. Did you know much about it before hopping on in? Not really. It was one of those ones where I'm like, oh yeah, isn't it about like earthquakes or like some creature that creates tremors? Dare I say? Yeah. <laughs> well, it kind of is. Kind of not though. It's more about the the tremors that they cause. Yeah. Well, like the third character you meet is like someone studying earthquakes, or right, or mm. seismic activity. Seismic activities. Seismology. Yeah. No, wait, that's not right. So you didn't know much about this movie. I'm surprised to hear that because you always, with especially movies like Tremors, mm. this is such a in your wheelhouse type of movie to me. Like this is one where I'm shocked that you haven't seen it, but I'm even more shocked that. You haven't heard much about it, considering this is one of those a quintessential cult movie of a certain era that you watch many movie reviewers talk about that certain era. I've definitely heard it be brought up a lot, but just not much has been retained. So that is kind of a joy. So Will and I, obviously, we love the movie. We still love the movie. Gonna ask you a bit more. What was your what was your feelings and journey and experience watching this for the first time? Fairly uh, unknowing of what to get from the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because I didn't know too much about it, like I was sure that it had something to do with monsters under the earth, and it was true. Um... <laughs> Just the way you said it, like kind of bitterly, and it was true. <laughs> uh, well, no, no bitterness, no bitterness. Just. Yeah, worminess. Just, just fact. Yeah, I'm a wormy guy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> when Bartek goes home, his mum tucks him into bed and he just writhes around all night like a fucking worm. Bartek's just going around the house in his sleeping bag, just sort of arching. You know, Bartek doesn't actually have a bed. They just have like a patch out back for him to writhe about in, in the dirt. <laughs> Yeah, they they put me in my uh, little, yeah, little display gut. case for worms. You know, Bartek really is a pumpkin patch kid, yeah. So, <laughs> so go on. Um, yeah, yeah. Th- so what I really enjoyed about this film was when it got to the point where uh, it was more than just the two main characters working in, in the main plots. Mm-hmm. Like when everyone kind of got together and... When it became an ensemble when piece. When it became an ensemble piece and... The, the interesting thing we were talking about, like, is this a horror film? Is this not? 
it like has all the staples of a horror film. Like people mm. get killed by a thing. They're, they're they're dangerous. The the stakes are really against them, and they have the extra element of like they're learning. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's like a huge threat. Like each one they take down, the next one becomes smarter. Um, but what I thought was like the the thing that stood out to me the most was not so much the horror, but the fact that this film became very like tactic tactical and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. smart towards the end. That was what I really, really enjoyed about it. Yeah, it, and I, the Jaws comparison is an obvious one to make. I mean, it's very much Jaws, but instead of a shark in the water, it's basically giant sharks under the ground that come up and yeah, get you, Sand right? sharks. Sand sharks. I watched a little bit of the behind the scenes, and as soon as as soon as I started watching the behind the scenes on the Blu-ray I mm. got, I immediately realized, I was like, oh... No, I fucked up. This would have been so great to watch all of these before the podcast. I would have all these facts to spit, as yeah. you say. But I didn't. It was like, it's getting late the night before. I have to get up early. So I'm like, oh, I've got to, I can't watch all of these. But I did watch some of the, like, the creature featurettes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love and they... how much detail the Blu-ray actually has for a movie like this. Because this wasn't... A big hit, but then it became like like Austin Powers, where it became a big hit on video and rental and stuff, and then it spawned sequels on and on and goes. But it's always been great to see that over the years, films like Tremors can actually get a, a Blu-ray release where they have like all of this extensive material that actually talks about it because movies like this could easily fall to the wayside. But you see, you see it on the screen, how much effort they would have had to have put in to make this movie work. Obviously, the big scene I think of is when the when the graboid smashes through Bert's basement and they're shooting it. And it's like every single fucking trick in the book is thrown into that scene to make it look like there's a big worm there. And, you know, it's great to actually have... Like you said, there's just so many. Like I watched a couple too, and there's just a lot of material oh, there's there. There's tons. There's tons. I just love that a film like this actually has stuff that you can dig behind in the behind the scenes elements. There have been many movies we've covered on the pod, Bartek, unappreciated masterpieces or pictures power, where we kind of wish that there was more of a treasure trove of information to go behind the scenes of, because mm. you can clearly see on the screen that a lot of work was put in, but. We can't find what the work, like what the mentality was, or the evidence, or the practicality of making this happen. And it's always kind of a very warming experience to actually have one of those movies have those things behind them. Like we, that's what we loved about uh, um, *Cannibal* the musical, mm-hmm. where it's like the, the obvious the audio commentary is one of the best things ever. But outside of that audio commentary being like him taking out shots against his ex-girlfriend or ex-fiancee. It's like the movie X that tra- that commentary actually gives you like really detailed pieces of information about what they did making the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right, Batik. This is like a tactical movie. It's about you know how they say Star Wars. It's a film about family. Yeah, this is a film about community. It's about this community yeah, of yeah. people it working is. together. It is. And That's a good way to put it. I love when you were talking about. I was just smiling from ear to ear because these are some of my favorite type of movies in which a bunch of characters band together and think tactically. That's why I love Star Trek. I love Star Trek for that, where you get a bunch of characters and they have a scenario and they have to figure out what to do to beat it tactically. That's also why I love the thing. And even though this film did have like stakes of like, you know, technically anyone can die, Mm. you didn't really think of these people as just, you know, cannon fodder. 
or fodder to be killed off. One one thing I like about that, even though there is a one thing I like about the the community in this film is, even though there's like a bit of animosity between individual characters at points, it's not one of those horror movies where it's like, oh, there's a bunch of jackasses and they don't care mm. about each other. Like the the characters are really genuinely upset every time they lose someone. I think one of the examples that that comes down to of that sense of community and them actually caring about one another. The film, the way of the film follows through on that, of, other than what you just said of them caring about when people die, is the most volatile two characters in the movie, the prepper characters, the gummers, are proven to be right and very, very handy in the situation that unfolds. So you, as an audience member, feel like they're no longer volatile antagonists but heroes of the story while still not taking away the spotlight from our two main characters. But Mm. so when at the beginning you have Bird and he's kind of being a little bit cheeky and a little bit like gun prepper nut and maybe a little bit making some lewd comments towards Chang and all that, it's just like, oh, okay. But you still get a sense that everyone kind of likes each other because he still goes to the shop to get what he wants and that's giving business to... And it's like all these things. And then by the end of the movie... I use them as the example because you could say that they're the antagonist, yeah, the human antagonistic force, but then, no, they're not. They're just really good people who are like, you don't have a gun? Here, take these guns. Good luck. Yeah. And it's just like the look on Fred Ward's face when they give him these guns and he's like really impressed. He's like, yeah, shit, this is like beneficial to what we need right now. Or the, the scene in which it's like, they're radioing each other on the two roofs or whatever, and our heroes are kind of inconvenienced because the ground's falling underneath them. And the fact that Bird is still, like, trying to, like, maintain the situation and be like, look, if you guys are going to go down, at least tell us what to do so we can at least save the mother over there and do this and this and this. It's like that sense of community, that sense mm. of camaraderie is built up to such a degree that I don't mind that the shitty teenager got to live (laughs) yeah yeah again that was another thing where it's like he's you can tell that he's gonna like be in this kind of boy who cried wolf situation (laughs) where eventually you know it's not people are gonna assume that like oh he's just pranking us again but even when that situation does come they do go and check on him still yeah and 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 it's (laughs) as soon as they see he's on the roof they know fuck this is real and they just get up there because they know they kind of know even as much of a dick as he is He's not that much of a dick. And yeah. they could see he's probably bleeding from the leg and all that. And like, oh shit, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, uh, yeah, it's a great thing. What about you, Patrick? You're a first time viewer, all of this. What characters within this did you gravitate towards? Because there's a large ensemble of characters. Like I said, there's like 15 people, like 14 from the town and her. Yeah. That we get to meet. Yeah, they, they all... They all were like interesting enough. I all, I wanted them all to live. Um, I mean, obviously, like you know, the the Asian guy, mm. he was funny. He unfortunately didn't make it to the, I guess, full tactical portion of the film. He did help in the end though, because mm-hmm. of his little uh, his little ride on thing that they use to distract the graboid mm. that he uses, which they set up. <laughs> oh, and he also names it. Oh yeah, he names them graboids. Yeah, <laughs> I also. I- no, wait, you go You go first, Bartek. I'll come back to this one. I'll, I'll put a pin in it. So you were saying? You like, you, um, you liked a lot. You, you liked all of them. You wanted them to live. But any in particular that you really liked or gravitated towards or really got attached to? 
Uh, I don't know about in particular, but it was just really nice that all of the... Uh, it's pretty much what you mentioned, like, those three characters, like, the, the two gun gu- people and the teenagers. Like, they they seemed like kind of the outsiders in a way, mm. um, but they ended up being, you know, genuinely valued, and they weren't ultimately, like, cannon fodder. Like, they, they weren't like, oh, he's the tough guy, but he has to be taken down to, like, indicate that these worm pe- things are, you know, really, really bad. No, if anything, it's like, oh, no. We can solve this situation with brute force. Yeah, and it was to the point when I was... To re- a point. <laughs> yeah, and then when I was reading about trivia, I'm like, oh, not only does he survive this film, he becomes the main character of the franchise. He's the protagonist <laughs> of the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, Will, you want to touch upon what you are going to say before? Oh, I was just to bring up uh, the uh, the um, Asian gentleman's little tractor thing. I think he was. I think it was Mr. Chang. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, his little. Uh, art, it cracks me up when the bloke with the mustache. I think Miguel was his name. Talks yeah. about the tractor with a plan to distract the worms. Yeah. And he refers to the tractor so affectionately. Because <laughs> it's a little tractor, raise him around, like really anthropomorphizes well, it. I, don't, I, I, part, think, I think it showed a lot of. It shows a lot of love in that community. Yeah, a part of it too is out of all the characters, he cared about Chang the most. They work together. It's like the last thing of him left because even Chang's business has crumbled to the ground and is crumbling. One of the things about the sequel films is the third film is called um, Back to Perfection because the second one, they go down to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Third one, they go back to perfection. They have a lot of the same actors back. The the little girl is back. The mom's back. A few of the other characters are back. And Chang's store is now like this major tourism spot. And it's kind of like, it's what he wanted. <laughs> like... <laughs> Because I love that he's Chang's just like a capitalist. <laughs> he's like, I'm just going to exploit all this for the money I can. I even love, um, like you said, like he has this, uh, Miguel has this affection for this piece of machinery. And yet every character does in some way have affection for an inanimate object. Like the gun nuts have their love of guns. You have their uh, main character's love of their pickup truck that they care so much about. Like, mm. I was so happy about, like, the pickup truck got to live. <laughs> it got injured at a few points, but it got to live, you know? And the little girl and her pogo stick, <laughs> which is probably one of my favorite moments of, oh no, the shit's got real. You know what I'm talking about? When yeah. all of our characters are like, okay, this is the situation, everything's intense, and then you just hear in the background. And you can hear it during the whole scene if you pay attention. Yeah, and they you even, just they hear even her mentioned... in the background. Yeah, they even had it as an established fact that she's playing on the road or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have it as an established fact that she's trying to get a record or beat her own record of how many jumps she's made. And mm. that's probably one of my favorite moment of when you can, you know, the pin drop moment of the audience being like, oh no, because you can't kill the kid. Uh, this film doesn't care. This film kills every kills people indiscriminately. Like, <laughs> but that's one of my favorite moments of of that. But yeah, it's hard to choose a favorite because they're all so nice. Mm. Even the dumb characters are good people. Like, I felt bad for the guy who who fell onto the tire and then it just grabbed him through the tire and he was gone. Yeah. <laughs> you could hear him screaming underground as the grappled was hurtling towards the next one. He's like, oh, Jesus Christ. I felt bad for him and he was a bit of a jerk. Mm, I almost forgot about him. Yeah, like he's not the most memorable, but I felt bad for him. I was like, oh, that poor guy. Or even, um, I, I even felt bad for, for when they have that shot that's just like, oh, don't worry. Someone will come for help. It cuts to where the construction workers have died, and you see a new car is picked up there, and there's just like blood on the ground, like a paper, like a like a clipboard or something. He's like, "Oh no, someone else died too." Trying to see what was going on. I even felt sorry for that non-existent person. 
Um, to go back to you, Will, for a second. This okay. is a creature feature monster movie. We've seen the Graboids a lot of times over our lives. How does it feel to you watching it now, all these years later, in a world in which we have CG and a lot of more obvious, like, you know, higher-end material? How do you feel about the Graboids, how they hold up, and just in general as a creature in your monster movie? Um, well, I'm, I mean, I suppose I'm not the most objective source, because, I mean, this is a film that I watched a lot in high school, probably around... I want to say year seven, year eight, yeah, 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 and watched it a lot throughout then with my family. So you know, it's a thing I have a lot of fond memories of. But I don't know. I feel trying to get out of my own head and be objective. I feel like the creature effects in this have aged really, really well. All things considered, I think it's a really strong monster design. Mm. I think, yeah, I think by and large, it looks. They all still look really, really good. I like how. This film is filled with what I love, details. Details, everything's got a setup, everything's paid off. There's little details like on Chang's store, you see the name of the old store is faded and just painted over with his name. I love the details that they bother to put in with the graboids of like, this is how they move through the dirt so well, and this is like the front of their head is designed this way, like this, you know, exoskeleton so it can plow, like, plow through this, and they stink. They yeah, no, stink so much, which is great because I, you know, I've encountered creatures that live on the gra- under the ground, and they do stink. They do stink quite a lot, and they, the fact that in this movie they don't give us an answer of where the graboids came from or what they are. You have people being like, "I think they're prehistoric." Others like, "They're fucking aliens." I don't know what the fuck this is. Yeah, and it's like, what? What was that? I love that, but I love the little details on the graboids. Like, I love their multiple tongues that have little mouths I guess or like little things that grab onto you and of course as all movies do you have that one monster that has the physical trait that makes them identifiable whether it be Stripe from Gremlins uh, you have uh, what do they call the one with, with the missing um, tongue the one that uh, like uh, oh, do they call him Stumpy at one point yeah, or Stumpy something? or whatever the mm. one whose tongue got ripped off on their pickup truck at the uh, at the start of the movie yeah hence they thought that that was just the monster itself was its that, stinky that's such tongue a, that's such a great bit too the revelation <laughs> that it's not they're not just like you think oh it's a big old snake and it's like it's actually a much much larger monster yeah yeah like they were doing the, and they were talking about in the <laughs> trivia about how they were trying to battle between like oh keeping them a secret but also showing them at the same time to mm. emphasize the creature feature thing you still kind of have the mystery element or, or surprise element where oh it's more than what you were just thinking they were i but- feel you know a lot of monster movies like sometimes you can run into the problem of you don't see the monster very much i mm. feel tremors despite being a fairly low budget film to my understanding is very, very generous with showing you these creatures. Yeah, and they, they're they smart in terms of the concept itself lends to the fact that we shouldn't see them because really, do you really want to see a shot of them underground worming around in the way that you could have done or would you rather just when they burst up and grab you and or those quick shots that they have of their um, POV of the dirt just crumbling in front of them as they go mm. somewhere and it also the movie even though we we could complain about this but we don't because this is a great film and it does this very well is it's not so much about the visual spectacle 
It's about the audio. The audio in this movie, just the sounds. Once you know that the movie is about sound, mm. you notice very quickly that this movie has been always about the sound. Like every piece of moment in the movie, they've emphasized sound. Like there's this one scene where they're going to go visit the doctor and they don't know where he is and that's the one whose car got dragged underground. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm pretty sure it was him. They're like, where the hell is he? And you see that they're like, Fred Ward is like stomping on the metal sheet that's kind of hanging on as he's walking off like the where the trailer is or whatever and he's like stomping on that and and uh Kevin Bacon accidentally kicks over a metal bucket and it's like all this stuff is like making you really keenly aware of what the that the sound like the beginning of the movie right is Fred Ward and and him just smacking their hammers down to pick at the fence in, right? And it's mm. like, oh my god, this movie's been about sound the whole fucking time. And yeah, that's and great, because that's what the monsters are attracted to. And there's also, yeah, the whole added element of they keep coming across bodies and not knowing what it was, and these creatures are very clearly like, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, the sounds you make will be your doom. And for our main characters, for a while, they just happen to be in places that are safe. I, I also appreciate that the, the Graboids, <laughs> great name, they act like a- animals. They don't act like monsters and monster movies, so like, they, like, they're like a crocodile and a shark in a lot of ways, where a crocodile will just wait there. Like, so if you've climbed up a tree to try and avoid it, they can wait there for a very long time. Mm. And uh, that's one of my favorite moments, right, where the first real body is found, right? The guy on top of... The dehydrated guy. The dehydrated old drunk guy. And it's yeah. like, you're saying that he just sat there and... <laughs> and dehydrated? And starved and dehydrated to death. It's like, yeah. It's like, why would he do that? Oh. <laughs> it just waited for him. Because <laughs> he knew it was... And he, and he, he, re- he realised, yeah, what the situation he was in. I love that attention to detail of it's not just like a monster where it just wanders from place to place and it's like I eat things or like like an alien right where alien just is like it's a it will come out and do the jump scare and eat you. These act like animals where they also like test things like smack against things They're like eh that doesn't work I'm not gonna do that and they learn and they adapt but they have these animal tendencies that we see that aren't just this is how a snake or worm acts but kind of like these other apex predator types. But it's like, what about you? You you don't seem to mind monsters and, and your movies and creatures and your shows and whatnot. How did you feel about the Graboids? Outside of the name being obviously silly, how did you feel about them? Did you find them genuinely entertaining, thrilling, scary, or were they just too was it just too silly that the movie is about big worms that eat you? Not at all. Yeah. The the fact that they were learning, like each one that gets taken down was great. You know, the fact that they established that there were four mm. and they actually, each one kind of had an arc where they were taken down and they were all <laughs> taken down in different ways and, you know, the previous methods no longer worked on them. Yeah, I thought it was just really good. It really lent itself to the whole tactical thing. I like how even previous methods that don't work help make other methods work mm. because it's like oh, that first one died because it smacked into a hard object, right? Yeah. Well, the last one isn't going to do that again. And it's like, well, this one got killed because a bomb was thrown at it and it ate the bomb, right? Mm. 
Um, I can't remember what was. How was the third one killed again? Uh, it, it, it swallowed right. the dynamite thing. One swallowed the dynamite. One hit into a wall. What was? Oh, and oh, one, one got shot to death. Base. Yeah, one got shot. That's, a, that's the second one. You yeah, can't really one. outsmart yeah, yeah. bullets. But but, but but yeah, but it did because it knew not to go back to there. Yeah, no, of course the stump. And it knew to, to there, deflate yeah. their tires so that they're fucked. Uh, I appreciate that in the last one, right? It's throw the bomb helps to make it go. F- like shoot farther and then he jumps and it's still the same principle of it's hurtling at an incredible speed towards mm. something but instead of a solid object it's nothing yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's a deep fall it's a deep fall and it explodes yeah it's fucking amazing and, stuff and yeah you'd think it would work because they're they're blind so do they even know that they're at a cliff well, yeah, I think that they probably have at least the ability to sense things, hence they knew where rocks are and stuff eventually, right? But mm. I think it's just the bl- the explosion from behind it kind of scares it even more so, and also, yeah. like... No, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. But you see what I mean? The detail of, although these previous methods don't work anymore, they do help contribute to the new methods of doing things, which is great! It's, 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 just, it's, just, it's just good planning of how to do things what was the moment that you found to be uh out of the kills because the, the movies like this are about the kills or the aftermath of the kills what was an effective one for you bartek you're saying apart from the kills no of the kills mm-hmm. what kill or um uh, finding of the dead body did you find particularly effective um yeah, they're all strong. I'm just trying to think of a particular one. Uh, I guess that last one when you when you just see it land and yeah, of the, the guts go everywhere. Oh, that's so fantastic. With the with the second last one, the one that swallowed the explosive, the fact that its guts like spread <laughs> everywhere and it landed on some of them. And you can really see this just, like, orange gunk. Yeah, I really love... One of my favourite, like, kills in the entire movie is you don't even, like, see it properly, but you see the aftermath of when they're, like, looking for that farmer guy. Mm. Like, where is he? And they find his hat. And his his horrified face is sticking out. That's one of my favourites, because it's funny... Right, Rel? Well, it's it's funny in a sick way, but in a genuine, like, horror scare moment, it's genuinely great, isn't it? Because Yeah, no, there's the little scare noise and everything. Yeah, like... and also just the image. The image itself is yeah. kind of creepy, right? Of just, like, a human face screaming, just buried enough for you to see it. Yeah, it's, it's, especially because in that scene, they're like, again, this is an example of them caring about it. They're like, oh my god, Fred, Fred, where are you? They're actually really genuinely looking for the farmer. And then they find him in the in a terrifying context. It's like we... And they have no idea what the fuck is going on <laughs> And their immediate point. thought is, we're leaving now. <laughs> and they thought it was a serial killer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just so... They're actually like, you know, I mean, they, they have a little bit of banter and everything going on and they butt heads a bit with some other people they're really genuinely nice like they genuinely warn the construction workers it's like oh my god guys there's like a psycho killer going around we gotta get the hell out of here go 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 and they're just like whatever <laughs> all right i also like when that one construction worker guy gets killed because not of a graboid but because the graboid has made it so rocks fall on him and crush him that was pretty decent too mm. the film isn't actually a f- like the film does a good job in terms of horror of it doesn't languish too much, probably because of the budget and the constraints, but it's just like, you just see, oh, they're, go- they're gone now. And there's just like a little puddle of blood or brains and, and a helmet or something like that. It's like, oh, okay. A nice way to 
work within your budget, right? Because you're not going to have every scene is going to be like tentacles come on the ground and rip them in half and drink their blood. It's going to be a lot of, we've walked into the scene. Hey, I can hear a radio playing. That's also a great sequence. Where's the golden oldie coming from? <laughs> what did you think of that sequence, Bartek? Because that's like a whole thing, right? You get like the the classic, what would be in another movie, the teen lovers in their car, but instead this is an old married couple who've just moved into town. Oh, oh what I think of their death scene. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, yeah, they, they, had, they had that whole horror thing of like, Come on, let's get away. No, no, no. I want to investigate yeah, what's yeah. going on. <laughs> they would be teenagers in another movie, right? Yeah, but but they also had like that like kind of <laughs> uh, how do I describe it? elderly sweetness when they're like, yeah. "Oh, let's look at the the you know, stars. Oh, when we have our home, we'll fix the roof and it'll be great. Oh, but we could look at the stars if we didn't have a roof." Yeah. It's like, yeah, just kind of sweet sentimentality rather than, you know, like the the pumpkin head yeah. teenage uh, young people yeah one, one point to bring up i actually re- this 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 is one of those things that struck me watching this because this didn't struck strike me in high school but uh mm. watching this film watching it again now and like i actually really like the way they depict the night sky in tremors yeah it's it's, a... re- it's very charming actually <laughs> yeah it's very nice i i love i also love with a movie like this we talk about the sense of community the sense of this the sense of the monsters I love a movie that gives me a sense of location as well. I felt like I got to understand the geography of the entire perfection town while still not seeing all of it. If you catch my drift, like I really got a sense of how this town operates and who's over there and who's like who lives really far out who lives close the idea of these are the new people that have come to town the doctor and his wife and the fact that they didn't have a doctor before is kind of fucked and like well they've only just gotten one now that's kind of in the town and it's just like i love a film that does that because films can often forget that especially ones that are supposed to be taking location in a small area like that we talked about that with the the last jedi we lost all sense of geography in The Last Jedi in multiple sequences, like the cat and mouse chase, or when they're actually on the salt planet. It's like, I just don't know where who is and where why and this and this. And even though this is a small, you know, this is Tremors, people, the movie where Kevin Bacon versus a big worm, the fact that it gets that right, is there anything wrong with the film? Because I think that this is one of those films where it's... A masterpiece to me. Perfect. It it hits everything it needs to. I don't think I would change Mm. a singular thing about the movie. The music's great. The direction's great. The acting's great. The characters. The monsters are great. The ending stuff is great. The beginning. Each character has their little arc that they go through. I don't know if I could or would suggest any type of change. I think for what this is, it's 100% perfect. Because I also appreciate that this isn't a spoof. Of monster movies, it just is one, yeah, wholeheartedly. But it still has like a, a little comedic sensibility to it. But it's not like it's winking and nodding at you that this is a silly B movie. It is genuinely trying to be the best type of these movies, and I always champion that. I look, I love Robert Rodriguez and Tarantino, but they're grindhouse movies. They're okay, but they're just trying to do a spoof version of those Grindhouse movies instead of taking one of those old Grindhouse movies and trying to make the best version of that you can. This is like looking at those old 1950s horror movies and it's like, let's try and make the best version of this we can. Yeah, the best B-movie. And they do. 
That's a good point. I am, yeah. I'm re- because of like, you know, I love this movie. I've got a lot of nostalgia for this movie. So yeah. I, I'm trying to Me like, too. but I'm trying to, ooh, sh- I, I got to try and be the more, I got to try and be fair. It's like, I'm racking my brain. Is there anything, is there anything actually wrong with Tremors? Like, is there anything it's trying to do and doesn't reach? Listen, and I'm, like, I'm having, I'm having the unbiased version of what you're having. I'm, I'm drawing, thinking. I'm drawing a blank, you, man. Well, I can't. Bartek did, can't say, he had a, Bartek yeah. did say he had a little of, bit of a dry spell with yeah. the beginning of the movie. What do you think? But even what's contributing to that? E- even with that dry spell, though, I'm thinking back on it now. It's like, yeah, I would watch this film again in its entirety. I guess just at first we were following our two main characters, mm. and it was yeah, effectively it was building up things. Um, but really, it was it was the whole ensemble bit where yeah. I really got sucked in. But now I think like if I'm gonna rewatch this film. Knowing how it's gonna go, I'm probably gonna enjoy all that stuff a bit more because I'm gonna notice all of like the foreshadowing. As you said, I'll notice the the sound design yeah, of the yeah. film. Um, yeah. So I guess just on my first viewing, it was a little bit like, okay, let's see where this is going. Yeah, and you didn't know what you were getting in for either properly. Not quite. No. Um, what did you? What did we all think of Kevin Bacon? Because Kevin Bacon's an iconic figure. All this stuff. I don't know if you know this, Bartek, but Kevin Bacon, when he was making this film, was kind of like Matthew Broderick, where he was like, my career is over. I'm in a worm movie now. <laughs> yeah, the... I went from Footloose <laughs> to a big worm worm movie now. Well, this my was... career is over. I am done. Well, I don't know if you're basing that on like the, the like behind the scenes yeah. uh, DVD extra things, but based on like the trivia, they had like two points that were kind of contradictory. Well, Kevin Bacon's changed his mind a bit. Like, oh, he okay. was like, he was a really fun film to make, but Kevin Bacon is like this. When you watch interviews with him, he's very self-aware of the business. Mm. And he's like very like, hey, I make a film because I want to be big again. So I make these type of movies. And this was one where it's like, I wasn't getting any work. John Hughes wasn't really interested in having me and stuff. These people weren't interested. I was kind of no longer in my pretty boy phase, even though it was still hot in this. Um, so I was in this worm movie, and it was a really fun film to make. Like, really fun, but at the same time, really aware that I'm in a big worm movie. Hmm. I was the leading star. And I'm, I'm a leading star in a worm movie. He does a hell of a job, though. He's a pretty yeah. boy named Valentine. Like, it's impressive. <laughs> so what did you think of Kevin Bacon? I don't know. What do you think of him as a general person in, or persona or thing? In general, I'm not really too aware of him. So, But you know yeah. of stuff, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon? I've heard of the concept, yeah. Yeah. But what did you think of him in, in this? You've seen him in that X-Men movie, right? First Class? He was a bad guy. I have seen that one. He was a bad guy. Who was the bad guy in that? Kevin Bacon. No, but like, what was the character? Uh, I've watched that. He mo- was. I've watched that movie, uh, but I'm, I can't I, remember what that character. His 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 thing. I can't remember what his thing was. Um, I remember that. Spoiler alerts. He dies because Magneto slowly puts his coin into his own head. That oh was God, a thing that's that happened. Right, that happened. Okay, I, I really don't remember. I didn't remember. <laughs> but that. he was a bad guy. In that. All I remember from First Class is Kevin Bacon was really good in it, but I can't remember what he did. I'm, but sure, I'm sure it was a great performance. The whole performance, point is, but here he is in this, playing the scrappy hick boy. Mm. What did you think of him? Because he's kind of uh, def- he's our hero. 
of the movie. Him and Fred Ward. Yeah, yeah. He's um he's definitely the the main protagonist of the two. Yes. Because he's the one that like has his reservations about his lot in life. He has ideas of what he wants yes. from women. He's the one that when yeah, he's got that whole thing. He's the one where he'll often have the other main character like list out his flaws of like, mm. oh, you know what, now you're saying this, now you're saying that. Um, but then he has his moments where he like agrees and they're kind of on the same page. Um, yeah, the other one sort of plays a more mentor role to him. Mm. I think he does very well. I love him in this. This is probably my favourite movie of his because he just, he is having fun. I have a problem with Kevin Bacon in, in his earlier roles of he is very like, I am the pretty boy and you're here for me. A little bit ego-centric to me. I love Kevin Bacon. He seems like a cool guy, but and I'm really liking his uh, his later work. I really like there was this movie where he played a cop. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, I like him, and I love him in this because it doesn't feel like he's taking himself too seriously, but he's not like he's cashing it in. Like, he, de- he does care. You can see it here, but he's not taking it too seriously. He's not being over the top. I think he's just right. And I love his character, and I love Fred Ward's character too, of they're these two schmoes who don't want to be here, they want to do bigger and better things, but when push comes to shove, they'll sacrifice themselves to save everyone else. And, you know, don't you miss having heroes like that in your story? Yeah, again, it was really nice seeing a horror film where people weren't idiots and, you know, cannon fodder for the... Well, not cannon fodder, that implies sacrifice, but... You know, fodder for being eaten, like killed pricks, by the monsters. Pricks, pricks, like, pray. Yeah. Horror movie assholes. Pray, pray, pray. That's a great word. Um, sorry, if I could just jump back to the creature design, because I mm. like it's so good, isn't it? It it's is so good. <laughs> I want, I want one. <laughs> one of the, it's one of the reasons this film works so well. Where it's like, you know, the 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 the, the free sort of slug tongues and the main mouth with like the beak and the sort of the scoots and things. Yeah. And the little, <laughs> I don't even know what you would call the little, a little the fins, like, little fin things that help it move <laughs> over through the dirt, yeah. shoot through the dirt. But it's like it is so good, and like, and, and all oh, the blood, the blood as well. How it's kind of like orangey, but like when there's a lot, there's like a bit of red in yeah. it, and it's especially like sticky. I it's also, like viscous. I also like there's a little touch every now and then of when they explode one or it vomits up something. Sometimes you can see people's clothing shoot out as well because they've eaten people. Mm, I didn't notice that. So that's a nice yeah. touch as well. Like again, this film it 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 follows through on everything. It sets everything up, it follows through, it's filled with all these details. And it it didn't need to be. But that's just good filmmaking and good storytelling and good characterization where you just go, oh, wow, they they care. I, I, I just want to touch upon what I said before about, like, don't you just miss having heroes like this in your big, in your big story? Because I feel like in a lot of <laughs> more modern movies, maybe because they're more superhero movies now, mm. you don't have these type of characters who are, like have this arc and yet they're still good enough to sacrifice themselves willy like for the greater good and if they do it's like iron man where it's like i'm sacrificing myself to save the entire universe not just to save that one little girl on a pogo stick like kevin bacon could have fucking died doing that one of my other favorite scenes is i really i don't know right because it's funny and tense that's this movie right 
It's a comedy, but yeah. it's genuinely tense. I think that's why, because I, I want to get into the thing now where I saw this in this. I saw this a little bit on the internet when I was mm. looking up some Tremors stuff. Some people were like, oh, you know, it's a horror movie, and then some people refer to it as just a comedy. I think it's both, and yeah, it is. It is both, and I think it's because the comedy doesn't take away from the horror, but the horror doesn't ruin the comedy. It's not like people are making jokes about how Chang died, right? People are genuinely heartbroken that he's there. But the thing I love is, here's a comedic moment of. Kevin Bacon standing there and the worm tongue is out trying to find his foot. And, and he keeps like hopping over. <laughs> and it keeps well, jumping. Not hopping, but yeah, yeah. He keeps jumping where the foot gets put down. And I mean, it's see, that's a, genuinely a... tense though, but it's also, yeah. it's kind of funny, right? Yeah, it's and... kind of funny, but it isn't winking at you. It isn't saying, look at Kevin Bacon, give this physical comedy performance of Rowan Atkinson. It's just like, he would have to do that. And it's kind of amusing. But at the same time, that little girl's life is in risk. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying this as, a, like, a criticism of the film, but, like, they have the whole establishment of, um, you know, the guy that dehydrated. This is a monster which, if you try to avoid it, you'll essentially just be waiting out till your death. And that can be, in another story, like, kind of existentially psychological horror kind of thing. Mm. And even though that is an element at points you never really dwell on that element of despair. It's always kind of focusing on like, okay, how do we get out of this and yeah. you know, staying Only in the final act do you really have it when they're all stuck on those rocks and they're trying to figure it out, but there's that point where it's like, I just don't know, man. That one worm is too fucking smart. Yeah, but like no one... I mean, obviously they are, you know, tense and they're freaking out, but like no one's like going so crazy that they're going to stab everyone else or anything No, like that. the only one who's the unreliable one is a young teenager. Yeah, Melvin. Melvin, who... I love when they give him the gun. And <laughs> <laughs> it's not loaded. It's like, fuck you, bird. And he, yeah, he's following through on what he said before. I wouldn't give you a gun even if it was World War Three. <laughs> Turns out I just wouldn't give you a loaded one. Yeah, I think this is the perfect horror comedy because I think it doesn't go too extreme in either degree. Like, it's not, like, ne- so horror it never... that it only appeals to horror fans, yet it's not so comedy that it only does it for the... comedy fans. And I know that you haven't seen this movie, but it reminds me of Shaun of the Dead, where Shaun of the Dead hits that perfect sweet spot of being a real good zombie movie and a really good comedy, and it hits that sweet spot of having the right amount of both, where it doesn't feel like it's just one or just the other, and it's kind of hard to fully say oh, well, Tremors is just a comedy movie because it is a creature feature movie. It is a monster movie. It the, is one of those ones that really it is about the, the tension of scenes, the, oh, the, the amount of times where it's just silence and people really worrying about knocking something over. It's like, you know, edge of the seat stuff, but at the same time, it is kind of funny that the worm rips off her pants. <laughs> this, is a ho- this is a horror comedy where neither element like compromises the other, really. Because uh, as I brought up before, like uh, my introduction to this movie is, you know, going to going to the video mm. rental shop, getting and like during that period, my brother and I and my mates and I, it's like we got tons and tons of horror and uh, monster movies and shit, mm. and mostly monster movies and creature features and shit from and Godzilla <laughs> video yeah. shops, and like mo- I can't even remember the vast majority of them because like most of them sucked. But mm. like this, this is really good, and it really does get both these tones right, and that's rare. Like a lot of films aim for horror comedy, and one of them will, and they might succeed with one, but that'll fuck the other one. It, yeah, it's, but it's, this one, this one really does get both. It's interesting because like the whole identity of a B movie is that you're not, it's they're not meant to be perfect, or like you, mm. you really shouldn't expect them to be perfect. 
Mm. Like there's going to be like, oh, there are flaws in it, but that yeah, adds to the charm. Budgetary constraints or, yeah. or they're leaning too hard on a genre-specific trope element. Yeah. So I w- so again because I wasn't too aware of this film. I did get the sense of like, oh yeah, this is probably going to be like a B-movie thing, so it's going to be like, you know, imperfect, but you know, charming. But then I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, what are like really genuine flaws of the... I, it's, well, I'm we, struggling. We've talked about this on the pod before, and many people have of, why remake a great film and just try to redo it again like Ghostbusters? Why the fuck do that? Why not grab an, an imperfect film that has the potential and try to make it great? Hmm. That is always something, and this is, although this isn't directly remaking something, it is calling back to a certain type of movie, and it is just, how about we actually try to make this the best we can possibly make it? Uh, you know, like, and you know, we talk about the, uh, there's those Sharknado movies, right? Where they're mm. like, well, let's on purposely make it shit, even yeah. though it has ludicrous premise. I'm not saying I want those movies to take it deadly serious and try to make it, but it's like, this is a silly idea, but they take it so genuine with it that you can't help but be won over by the film's charm and one of the things i want to talk about is horror stuff is obvious the comedy the comedy to me it's not like i'm laughing throughout the movie but Mm. it's more that i'm very amused and what i mean is the biggest comedy to me in the movie is 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 bert gummer hence he's also now one of the main characters because he's inherently a funny character and what makes him funny to me and will you can probably touch upon this as can you bartek is in all of these monster movies, and all these creature things, and all of these ones where our heroes are attacked by monsters, that character never succeeds. They always fail and die. Or there's a point in which, oh no, the guns don't work, we have to fight it with our fists, or something like in Predator. I love in this movie, there is that moment where the where the Graboid smashes through their basement, and I don't know if you assume that they'll probably die, but you just see, oh no, they succeed. Yeah, the shot where it pans over, they have a wall of guns, yeah. and they like just go through each one, oh, they have to go through right. the elephant gun. And <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> like... There was one point where I think one of them threw down one of their guns, and the, the worm kind of looked at it at one point. I'm like, oh my god, is the worm going to use the gun on them? <laughs> but... That's where my amusement comes from with Tremors primarily, is it's not like they're subverting the expectations of it, but they are in a way because those characters never succeed in these movies. They and all... the fact that these ones do, and the fact of, yeah, sure, Fred Ward drops his gun on the ground and the worm smashes it, but the fact that he got to use it, it's like, I that's where I get amusement from, is those characters are actually helpful, while in most of these movies... They're, they're never helpful. Their downfall is always something ironic to their perceived merits. Like, you know, the, their whole thing in this film is like, oh, we we have a lot of guns. We're prepared to use these guns in case of an emergency. And, you know, the threat in another movie would be that the threat is immune to bullets. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm super prepared with guns and the thing is immune to guns. The thing that, obviously, it takes a lot of bullets to put one down, but I love one of the things that they mention, which I do love, is we have a lot of guns, but we never prep to shoot through the ground. Yeah. <laughs> which is a genuinely great thing that makes their their strength, which is being gun nuts, weakened. 
because yeah. really guns aren't supposed to shoot through the ground. <laughs> yeah, and again, in an, in another more typical, I guess, kind of movie where we're talking about these characters mm. wouldn't survive, that would probably be the irony thing. Like, oh, they were killed when the monsters were really utilizing their underground abilities. But I do love, even at the end, Bert's bombs <laughs> that he makes are very helpful. Very helpful. Yeah. Even though at the end they have the thing where it throws a bomb back, right, and all of them go off, and it's yeah. like, yeah, but... Then they use it by not throwing it at them. See, we're, all t- we're talking, and we've got smiles on our faces discussing this, because we've watched all of these movies in some way, sh- way, shape, or form, and they always undermine these type of characters to make them fail because they need to fail. When we talked about Pumpkinhead on yeah. the pod, it's like this moment in the film where the jerk character guy... And the main Lance Henriksen team up for a little bit, and then the jerk character gets like a gun and he shoots, and Pumpkinhead just like grabs a gun and just shoves the gun through that guy's chest. And that was really funny. Mm. But it's like, but imagine if that guy was actually useful. Yeah. That's what this movie is. One really great thing about Tremors is pretty much every character has a good idea at some point yeah. or helps out. Yeah, yeah. Like again, the, coming back to the community thing, they re- we, they really needed everyone to get through it. I I even like the the mother on the roof. She's the one that lets them know that they they're doing, they're, they're learning because they're trying to undo the foundation of her house first. Mm. I love even Miguel asks like I think it was Miguel or someone else asks like they didn't even make any noise. Why are they bugging them? <laughs> it's like yeah. Why are they doing yeah, that? The the less uh, practical, the the ones who aren't as much doers, you know, they use observation. I yeah, I think it's a a pretty perfect little movie, and yeah, you could see, uh, but uh, Will and I could see, but Bartek, how do you feel about the idea that the franchise fell in love with Bert and made him the central <laughs> thrust of it? Because as viewers, just for myself and and Will. We as an audience fell in love with Bert as a character and wanted to see oh, more. Oh yeah. I don't know if you had the same feeling or not, but how do you feel about that whole stuff about did you fall in love with him and did you see why they fell in love with him and wanted to make I'd, him the central thrust? <laughs> I'd I'd want to rewatch the film one more time to to fully get that, but I I did enjoy him in the end, yeah. And I'm again, like reading the trivia and stuff about how he becomes the main character was interesting. Yeah. I thought it was extra interesting that apparently for all of the sequels they have they're all apparently like really kind of high quality well i think the first four and the tv show they made a tv show as well right um i think the first four movies and the tv show are are genuinely great films the first one's the best Mm -hmm. they all get weaker i actually think the fourth film is very close which is a prequel film yeah so he plays his great 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 grandfather or whatever Hiram Gummer. (laughs) okay (laughs) he has a musket Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I I I genuinely think the fourth film is a great one, but uh, the third one I like too. Second one's alright because Fred Ward's still in it. Um, but mm-hmm. the, the second one is just Bert, and uh, that's cool. But uh, I have seen I have seen the second one. I remember thinking it was okay, but that's been a long time. It has some good tension. That's going back to like year eight. It had there. some good <laughs> tension moments. Um, and they get sillier. They they evolve the monsters. They have like an a cycle of 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 growth. 
Mm. So in the second one, they're they're no longer these creatures on the ground, but they're like these little ones that walk on the ground. That they're they're cool. And then the third one's got ones that fly. Yeah, I heard one of them. They called ass blasters. Yeah, the third one, the ones that fly because yeah. they shoot fire at you from their ass. Right. There you go. Um, and they're genuinely effective creatures, okay. even though the CG is not the greatest. But uh... well, still, even if the ones after the fourth one aren't great, it's pretty impressive that the first four films in a horror franchise are yeah. apparently all pretty how, good. How and many I enjoy- are there? Because when I was when I was flick, I think there actually might be seven. I think one came out last year. Yeah, because yeah. I was like flicking through the Tremors thing. I saw like Tremors Seven Shrieker Island. When I was still got Bert. <laughs> when He's I was still doing it in twenty twenty. <laughs> when I was good for him. when I was fucking good on him, man. When I was looking at all the streaming services that I had access to, the only ones that were available to me were the two newest ones. So I was like, oh wow, these these are really recent. I got to talk about the actor Michael Gross who plays Bert Gummer. Mm-hmm. You may not be aware, but before he did this, it was a very unconventional choice to get him to play the NRA gunner uh, prepper nut job because he was in the TV show Family Ties, which was the show where Michael J. Fox came from. Okay. So the pitch of that show is you remember Ned Flanders' parents? The Beatniks. Yeah. Now imagine them, but their son is uh, the Gordon Gecko. Like is a Gordon Gecko type, where he's like an '80s Wall Street business guy. Mm-hmm. That's that's Family Ties. But the two parents of these new agey beatnik hippies, and Michael J. Fox, their son, is a sleazy '80s business nut job type, and they're like flummox. And there's other stuff that goes on. Michael uh, Michael Gross, Bert Gummer, he plays like the lovable dad in that, and he's like down to earth, and he's a hippie type. As soon as that show finished, literally the day that they finished sh- shooting yeah, the last episode, trivia. he went to the set and went off the set and made this movie. And it's like such a career flip because the character is just so different. And now people just know him as Burt Gummer more so than the dad from Family Dies, which is great. I, I love when an actor gets this type of role and it just completely reinvents them. And he seems to love it. He seems to just love being oh, Bert. If, if he's still doing it 31 years later, then... I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I think he's done his last movie now. Um, oh. And and uh, But I think I read something where they had like the 30th anniversary of Tremors, and he was the only cast member that turned up. Okay. Isn't that kind of bummer? Because like, like... But he's so awesome, and I, I, I think he's great as his character, and I, I just love that they saw that we liked him a lot and went... Yeah, he is pretty cool. Let's bring him back. And they just keep bringing him back, and it's great. If anyone can find the Tremors show, it's worth a watch. It's actually pretty hard to find, or at least in my recollection. But yeah, it's just them in perfection dealing with, like, monster stuff, monster of the week type stuff. And it's really fun. I I enjoyed the show, and he's in it, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple of others turn up. But uh, yeah, that's Tremors. I don't know if there's... um, much else to say other than just keep praising it for all these great elements i think my the scene that leaves me the most impressed is the the scene where it breaks through their basement and oh, starts yeah. attacking them because it's like every single trick in the book is used like you talked about when they when he throws the gun on the ground that's a great way because they throw the gun on the ground and there's a secret cut there so there's a secret cut there. So then now it's a miniature gun on the ground and the camera pans up and that's a, a miniature or a puppet of the worm smacking up or looking at it. Oh, okay. And you wouldn't know that Ooh. because it's just that seamless. It's just good filmmaking. 
It's just good film. The only shot that doesn't work is like they have a rear projection of Bert shooting at it, and that's like one single shot in a five-minute sequence. Yeah, there's lots of yeah they have every trick there. I remember force perspectives, miniatures, puppets, I, trick shots. I remember. Everything. I remember one of the first like effects that really got me was one of the ones where you got a shot of. Um, it looked like they used like a carpet or something to, in- to indicate like it moving and like it yeah, leaving. Yeah. It was one of those non-POV ones where you saw it moving from underground and like it was yeah. like leaving a bump as it was. Is that the where it's like going under the like the little boards outside the shop and they sort of wave up? Oh, that's later on. That. But that, I don't that's think a, it, that's I, a great shot. I don't think it was in town. Oh, sorry, not that. No, one. it's a, one of the earlier ones oh, when they're figuring it, out it the, looked, seismo- yeah, the seismographs are figuring out where they are. I can't remember if any of the characters were in this particular scene, but it, it looked like something's under your carpet and like yeah, yeah. it's just a bump moving across the ground. Oh wait, yes, no, no, I do remember that one where it kind of it, yeah. comes it, up. It's yeah, this is filmmaking i miss man because now they would just if they made a proper big tremors movie again it would just be cg yeah this is one of those films so. where you watch it and you have to think to yourself like man they did this without cgi yeah or, or maybe min i don't know if they but it, any, it's but... more practical based movie uh, yeah that's that's the main incentive uh, for 1999 this 1990, 1990 this would have been for a low budget film surely that wouldn't probably wouldn't have any cg but uh that's that that's Tremors, people. Great choice, Will. It brings a smile to my face to watch it. It is one of those. Oh, is there two more? No, no, actually, three more little minor things. Yeah, I can bring up. I was just going to mention that the film is one of those few where I I, I I I fist pump when things happen in it because I'm so satisfied with people succeeding. Man, that was something when I was watching it. Star Wars Last Jedi keeps popping into my brain because mm-hmm. that film had a lot in common of like, this is teamwork and we're working to make plans. But that film is like, watch our characters just fucking fail for no reason. Is that satisfying to you? And I was like, it was also oh you- man, I just miss when people were able to succeed. And that film was also all C-plots, the movie or whatever that yeah. Red Led Media said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want to touch upon three three things before we wrap yes, up? Yes, yes, I've got to touch on three things. Oh yeah, first thing I was going to mention earlier, it's like we were bringing up the, the like sharks. The film, apparently when they came up with the writers on the initial idea, was going to be called Land Sharks, but they changed their mind. But I've forgotten, why did they change their mind? Something else got called Land Shark in some context. Yeah. But yeah. I cannot, I can't, it's like there on the, like somewhere in the ether, <laughs> well, but I can't pick it out. Well, I said Sand Shark, but Land Shark, I guess. And, 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 and calling it Tremors has also made that thing where people just refer to them as Tremors instead of Graboids, which is the official title. That's the real title. They're called Graboids. But obviously people just call them Tremors because that's the movie and... It is just a cool name, Tremors. Um, Bartek looks a bit perplexed at that idea, no, 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 but that's I, just a thing that people call it I, because Graboids under- is so silly. <laughs> I understand Tremors. I understand the, the concept of thinking of them as the name of the film, but I I can't make the leap because I just associate it with seismic uh, seismic activity. But they're Tremors, Bartek. No, like the the thing that did surprise me is that they took Chang's naming like seriously. What was his last thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a nice oh, little legacy. Call- so the other things he went to touch upon. Uh, this is this this is like really minor, but it's like give it to us. It is a little thing that I like. Like I think it's just one of the things I love about this film, and you've brought this up a lot, Bartek, is it is tactical. It's like mm-hmm. the intelligent worm, uh, Mister Stumpy, and all the uh, all the all the people in the town are like really in this battle of wits. They're both learning from each other. And there's just this one little clever moment that I love when uh, Miguel uh, sort of 
hops down. He's sort of hanging from the building to start up the tractor. He gets like a handkerchief or something and he ties his arm to the window. Yeah, yeah, sill. yeah, yeah. So, he so that fall. way, when the worm goes underneath him and the you know, Chang shop is all shaken, I don't know why I shook there as if the mic could pick it up. Because you're but into I it. did. You're and into you know, it. he's like, he's, he's got like a, a lifeline and it's just like, it's such a minor little thing, but it's just such a beautiful example of like the cleverness that's going on. And the film's on. filled with things yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like it's all the time. And I keep thinking to myself, they didn't need to do that, but the fact that they did shows that they care. Like they're really thinking about how everything would play out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, I might even, I might even pluck a fourth minor thing here to extend this out because it's like one, I wanna, one, I wanna, one for every every graboid. Yes, one for one in tribute to every graboid who lost their <laughs> lives during the course of this film. They're an endangered species. Four is death. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where were the where were the EPA for this? <laughs> to to jump back to a point Ryan brought up before, I, again, I, I gestured like a jump there. I seem to be forgetting that I'm on a podcast. It's for us, I know. <laughs> but it, it visual aids for everyone in the audience and everything. And uh, It was a very good arc. Here. Yeah, that was a real arc. Um, touch on the main character's heroism. Mm. Even before the characters are aware that any sort of um, Shenanigans. violence is going on, when they see the drunk up on the, um, when they realize it's the town drunk up on the uh, power mm. lines, you know, Kevin Bacon, Valentine, he he does go up there. It's like, well, you know, was that one of the instances where they, was that in, was but was that one of the instances where they rock paper scissors? Yeah, it? yeah, but he was like, <laughs> but it was like we can't leave him there. It's like, yeah, they're like, oh, thanks for doing yes, this, but mate. he was, but he's lawful. He respects the law of rock paper scissors like he until might, he doesn't. <laughs> he they might be pissed that oh we have to go up to get him, but they still went to do it. It didn't pan out, unfortunately, but yeah. <laughs> they still went to do it. Oh, well, he got the body, so real technically genu- did. Real genuine heroiz- heroism and that's on display. A, one more you got? Yeah, I got I got one more minor thing, and it's for like... The, for, stump, the, for Stumpy. For Stumpy. Bert, yeah, this one's for Stumpy, because Bert has my, my favourite bloody line, and it's my dad's favourite line in the movie, too, about the whole with the... They're, like, um about to do the fishing with the bombs, yes. and uh, Red Ward asked him about the... Where do you get the fuse from? It's like, oh, it's cannon fuse. It's like... What the hell do you use that for? For my, for my cannon. cannon. <laughs> 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 oh, it's just such a perfect. Man. I, I even like the uh, one last thing. I guess is <laughs> we haven't talked about the, the 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 woman in the film. She was great. We haven't yeah. She was she's, great. She's she came great. up with so many great things, like making the water burst on the thing, and that kind of fucked her over because it like ripped off the ladder, and she's like stuck and all this. And well, that sequence was the two characters fucking each themselves over to save the other, and then both yeah. coming out in the end. Exactly, and I I really love because it's again, this film is very silly. But it's done so well that you don't even scoff at the fact that one of the scenarios involves her determining that they need to pole vault their way out of them by just going over each one of the rocks. That's so silly. In another movie, we would be rolling our eyes and talking about how stupid that was. But in this, you're like, well, what else are they going to do? It's like, if I was there, I don't know if I would have thought of doing that. I'm glad she was there to think of it because they could have died on those rocks. They even, I love yeah, it. They even had a moment where what was the second guy's name? Earl. Yeah, yeah. Where Earl like messed up his first vault, and but it mm. wasn't like a tense scene where it was like, oh shit, he's is he gonna die? It was, mm. it was you know kind of lighthearted because he fell back. He's an older guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's it. That's Tremors. Great choice, uh, Will. It it really is one of those, and I'm glad that you've got to experience now, Bartek, and hopefully you'll want to revisit it. I reckon you and your brother would enjoy watching that. I reckon your brother might get a kick out of it. 
Yeah, he might. Classic yeah. family movie. I, I, th- I genuinely think it is time. one of those monster movies you could sit down with the whole family and just enjoy. Like, I think your mum may even get a uh, kick yeah, out again, of it. Again, she is... likes. She, she seems to have a fun taste in movies. I don't know. I don't know about monster films, but again, this is a but this it, is a horror film where like the horror isn't like too. But your mum, your mum seems to have a very classical taste. Like I don't know if she's a big fan of Jaws or not, but I reckon that she would just get a, a kick out of just how like classic movie this feels. Like they just don't make them like this now, do they? Mm. They don't make movies like Tremors. Yeah. Um. So, but it's like, what movie are you going to be recommending for us to to watch next episode? Um. I'm also picking a '90s film. I am doing. I am picking the Truman Show. The Truman Show with Jim Carrey. The and one and only. You know you've chosen a Paul Giamatti movie. Yes, I have. Well, sorry, Will, you won't be there for the Paul Giamatti film. <laughs> Says actually, who? That's Says a cut. Who? That's a, that is a genuine cut. That Says a, who? That is a genuine I'm cut. You're the only I'm one bleeding. that said it, Ryan. And it's got... Uh, um, I can't remember that actor's name. I want to say Alan Arkin, but not Alan Arkin. The guy who's like the creator of the Holland Saga. The, mm. the god character. And he plays yeah. the exact same fucking character in Snowpiercer. I'm forgetting that guy's name, but uh, we'll talk about Truman Show next time. Uh, so make sure to give that a watch in the interim. If you have not, uh, be warned, it is Jim Carrey not in just a pure comedy. So don't get disappointed by that. Because I've met someone who watched it and was very annoyed by it because they didn't find it funny. Okay. I think it's still a funny movie, yeah, it's but it's not an outright Jim Carrey. Co- it's not The Mask. Mm. It's not him as the Riddler. Um, Ace Ventura. Joygasm. Uh, yeah, it's not him in uh, uh, Yes Man. So that's it. Uh, thanks very much, Will, for popping on in and giving us your thoughts and takes. Uh, until next time, listening people, remember to hit us up on the social medias. What ones are we on, Bartik? We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, I don't think YouTube counts as social media, but we're on that. That's a platform. That's do a you, platform. Do you guys have Instagram? Nah. nah. We don't have a Tumblr either. You don't, you don't have any half-naked pictures of yourselves on Instagram? What's going on, lads? <sighs> I'm sorry. Who should do some Instagram comedy <laughs> where we just prank people while they're is, out on their day? And is, that what, takes... is that what people do on Instagram? Yeah, they do comedy. Okay. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> comedy. Uh, so, yeah, one of those. Uh, we- Spin Polish Presents, you'll find us. We have our email, spitandpolished at gmail.com, where you could recommend movies to us. It's not just Will being wet and wild. He felt very dry this episode, Will, because there was no there was no water to really dash around and to get wet and wild. Only the one in the water tower. I mean, it's, it's a dry movie, you know? It's a dry movie. It's a desert. My brain, for some reason, whenever I see one of those water towers in a desert in those movies, I always think of the opening scene of Wild Wild West with Will Smith, where he's fucking a chick in the water tower. That's what I think of. <laughs> I don't know why, because I always remember that being like, what a weird way to start this movie, huh? Uh, with his character. The movie actually starts with a guy running around with a fucking thing on his neck and he gets his head cut off by Kenneth Branagh. But that's a different movie for a different time. Uh, that's it. Uh, yeah, that's for two weeks from now, when you pick it. <laughs> I'm not picking fucking Wild Wild West. I love Kevin Klein, but not that much. <laughs> I love Kenneth Branagh as... I would jo- hey, 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 if I was John Peters, I would definitely recommend doing that. He loves his giant spiders. Uh, that's it. Uh, Bartek, do you want to leave us on uh, any profound words of wisdom? Um, mm, I know it's tough. 
Let's see. What what do people need in January 2021? Um, Heck, this might even come out in Feb 2021. Oh, you're right. Yeah, we're right at the end, aren't we? Yeah, we're at the end, buddy. Ooh, February. Um, <laughs> That's how I end the episode. Yeah, we're at the end, buddy. And then just <laughs> before you give any words of wisdom. Remember, even when your friends say it's the end, it's never the end. So next week, we won't be doing This Is The End, the film with Jonah Hill. Because I didn't pick it. No, not this time. I like the movie, though. No, I've never seen it. (laughs) See you listening, people.